So let's get started. My name is Katrina Stroll. Oh my gosh, I can't even say my name. My name is Katrina Stroll and I'm the host of Absolutely Not, a show dedicated to um, just presenting examples of how to set boundaries in your workplace environment. I am here today with the amazing guest, but before we get to her, I'm just gonna share my screen with you. Absolutely not. My name is Katrina Stroll. I'm a certified career coach and an HR consultant. I created this show just because throughout my career, I have never had anyone come up to me and say, hey, this is how you set boundaries. And this is how you need to be firm in your expectations, regardless of what organization you're in, regardless of who your managers are. No one has ever come up to me. And so I'm just getting really tired of having young women come to me with the same issues. So now they have a space where they can learn about setting these boundaries freely and safely. Without having to go through the trauma. Buy your own, I mean, you don't have to buy your own trauma, but just skip it if you can. All right, a boundary to me means something that is in, indicates or fixes on a limit or extent. So somewhere where you want something to end. That's what a boundary means to me. Today's episode, we're gonna go over HR's role in setting boundaries at your place of work. A lot of the questions we go over today may be, I really don't like this word, triggering. So please let me know if you want us to slow down or take a pause or if you need time to ask a question or for us to clarify what we're talking about in the session today. I am joined today by Ricklin Woods. Ricklin Woods is a resume writer, career coach, and four-time certified HR professional with over 15 years of experience in HR. With an extensive background in human resources, Ricklin pulls back the curtain on the recruiting process for the perspective of the employer, which, she gives, which gives her clients a significant advantage over the competition. She frequently shares career advice and resume writing tips on LinkedIn and has also shared helpful insights on Blavity.com and Career Tool Belt. Please help me in welcoming Ricklin Woods. Yay, I'm gonna stop sharing now. Thank you. Okay, great. I'm so excited to have you here, Ricklin. If you don't mind. <laughs> If you don't mind, if you could share with everyone a small overview of your career so far. Okay, so I'll give kind of a, a you said, a small overview. Um, I had somewhat of a non-traditional entrance into human resources. I started out customer service, administrative roles, and had a mentor who um, really groomed me and helped me to get into HR. So my first HR role was as a recruiting coordinator. Um, and I, at that time, didn't have a degree, didn't have a certification, just had a desire to learn. And that was evident. And so I was given an opportunity, um, worked my way up the ladder, so to speak, into HR generalist roles, HR manager, um, also um, HR business partner, kind of in a regional role, um, transitioned into some HR consulting, where I had the opportunity to work first, work doing one-on-one -on -one work with small businesses, small to mid-sized businesses. And I recently just did a huge career pivot and I'm no longer working in corporate as an HR. I like to say I'm an HR pro turned HR pro coach. Um, I work with HR professionals helping them with their resume, um, interview prep, and helping them to kind of level up their career. So that's where I am now. I'm full-time doing um, 
career coaching for HR professionals and a little speaking here and there I'm getting into and um, just loving the work that I'm doing. Awesome. I'm so happy you're here with your experience. I know you'll be able to answer all of my questions today with, so. just, <laughs> with just confidence <laughs> and you'll be able to teach us a lot about setting boundaries at work. So my next question for you is what does a boundary mean to you? You know, for me, boundary is very similar to the definition that you gave earlier. It's about, you know, setting a limit or a line that I'm not willing to cross or I'm not going to let you cross. Um, just really establishing clear um, line of kind of demarcation where I end, where you begin and not compromising on that line. Awesome. And that part is very important, the not compromising. I think a lot of people set those boundaries and expectations and then we kind of move them from certain people yeah. or certain pay, pay scales, That's certain organizations. <laughs> We're going to talk more about that. As you look back on your career, could you describe some times where you've had to set a personal boundary in a work environment? Unfortunately, I have more examples than I'm, that I'm happy about having. I've had to set boundaries quite a bit, um, but there are two that come to mind that occurred kind of within the scope of, of my HR role that I think is really important to share and people can um, kind of glean some insight from. In a prior role, I was leading a team of HR managers and um, one of our one of my team members um, who I was supervising she had an, an issue a personal issue to come up and she had emailed me about the issue and I needed to take it to my manager in order to try to get her some resolution well when I took it to my manager I kind of paraphrased it I didn't give her verbatim everything that uh, my employee said because it was one of those things where I needed to protect her to a certain degree but I also needed to escalate this issue in order to get resolution. And so I shared with my leader that, you know, I had this email that the employee sent and my manager said, well, can you forward me the email? And guess what I said? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I didn't say absolutely not right away. What, what I did say was, you know what, I need to think about that. I said, I don't know that I'm comfortable sharing the email because I feel like um, that would be kind of a break the trust between myself mm -hmm. and the employee. Like she trusted me enough to share this issue, even though she did it over email. And um, my loyalty first and foremost was to this employee who trusted me as their leader. So what I did is I, I said to my, my manager, let me sleep on it. This was like on a Friday, I think. And I said, I'll, I'll think about it. I'm not sure if I want to do that. Monday, I'll let you know. So Monday, she followed up with me and she said, so I need you to send the email. And I said, you know, I thought about it. Absolutely not. I'm not going to be able to do that. And she actually said to me, you do know that I can write you up for insubordination. And, I, and I'm, I'm in HR <laughs> dealing with this. And I said, you know, I kind of thought that you might say that. So you know, do, you, you do what it is that you need to do, mm. but I'm not going to compromise um, the relationship that I have with, with my employee. So ultimately I wound up leaving that company on, on my own. Um, but I felt like I was put in a position to where I was, had to choose between um, my employee and someone who respected me and trusted me enough to reach out to me for help. And so it was very uncomfortable being in a situation where my leader was asking something of me 
and to just to say no. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I want definitely for people to understand that there are times when you may have to tell your manager above you that there's something you're not comfortable doing and, and you need to, you know, be, be true to yourself and, and your values. And if it would have meant that I was going to get written up, then I would have I would have just gotten written up. But I didn't because I think that was kind of like a it was kind of like a threat. She thought she thought that would mm-hmm. intimidate me enough to where I would hand over the information. Now, granted, she could have gone through my email, I'm sure, if she wanted to through IT or what have you, but I wasn't going to be the person to surrender that email. Mm. See, and the word that you used right then was surrender. And I love that word so much because for us, our boundaries are something that we want not to be wavering. And I want a lot of people out there to realize that when you shake and move those boundaries, you are surrendering to another person and you're not valuing yourself as the highest priority um, or the relationships you have with people, just like your employee at the highest priority. Mm -mm -mm. Okay, great. (laughs) We are getting into it. All right. My next question for you is going to be, Um, culture versus person. So a lot of people that um, talk to me, they are realizing, hey, Bob or Janet, they're not very good people and they're constantly crossing my boundaries. Is Mm -hmm. this a cultural thing with the entire organization or is this Bob and Janet? Should I have to deal with this? And when do I go to HR with this? That's, that's, that's a a loaded question. So we're going (laughs) to break, we're going to break that up. Break it up. We're going to break that down and unpack it into some some chunks. So the first part of the question, culture versus person. I think that's a really good question because sometimes you can have toxic individuals in the workplace and other times you can have, um, you know, it could be a a cultural issue overall. But the reality is, even if it's just the individual, if that person works closely enough to you, whether it's a peer, whether it's a supervisor, it doesn't matter if you have the rest of the organization is a great culture. If you have to work with someone who's toxic mm-hmm. or who's making it difficult for you, that's really all that's going to matter to you because that's impacting you on your day to day. So typically in environments that I've been in terms of when you go to HR, and it's going to depend company to company, but typically, you know, you want to, at least in my experience in HR, we try to develop leaders to be able to have conversations with their employees to create an open door, um, you know, policy situation where employees would be comfortable coming forward to express concern, um, whether it's with their colleagues, unless of course the issue is with a supervisor, but let's say someone's having an issue with a coworker or an issue with the, with the customer. Um, the first point of contact usually should be someone's supervisor if that makes sense, before you would would take it to HR. And and that's kind of on more, you know, basic level personality clashes. You know, this person stepped on my toe, didn't say sorry, or, you know, this person looked at me funny. Believe me, I've heard that in HR. I don't like the way they're looking at me. So kind of some of those basic employee relations things that are more personality conflict, usually a supervisor would hear it first. Um, But if an employee does not get the resolution that they're looking for through talking to the supervisor, that's usually when they would come in for HR. Now, of course, more complicated, and it could be the same even for a harassment issue, depending on the culture and depending on how well leaders are trained, a leader might be the first person to to find out what's going on and then they'll get HR involved. So it's really gonna depend on the, the organization. Nice. Okay. And so we're having a lot of movements nowadays um, 
a lot of movements nowadays. I'll just, we're having a lot of DNI initiatives yeah. on every type of organization. A lot of people are putting out there, if you feel like your boundaries are being crossed or your values in those aspects, you should just leave the organization. What do you have to say about those types of boundaries and those types of expectations for organizations? Yeah, I think that advice could be good from the standpoint that some people feel like that there are no other options or they're fearful of leaving one organization, especially right now with the job market being what it is, people don't want to put themselves in a position where it's going to be difficult to find another job. Um, so I think the people who are out there giving that messaging, they're really trying to give people the permission to say, hey, mm -hmm. if, this, if the work environment is not suitable for you, um, it's okay to move to a different company. Don't worry about being a job hopper or having, you know, the short stint on your resume because your health and well-being is paramount. And I think what we're seeing now too, um, just with the pandemic and just the, the tragedy of it all, you know, life is so short. We spend most of our time at work, right? I think the number is like, I don't know, it's like 90,000 hours or something like that, that we, we spend working in a lifetime, but it's a, a lot of time we spend at work. So if you're spending majority of your day at work, you shouldn't be subjected to being miserable or in a toxic environment. So I do think there's value in just letting people know there is another way. You don't have to settle for that. Of course, you want to try to resolve whatever issues you have internally. Um, but it, if you're not able to, if you feel like you've exhausted all options, such as reaching out to HR, or if you do find that it's just the culture, um, then you, you, you have to do you know what you need to do, and that's okay. Nice. And I love what you said, giving people the permission to do that. Because I think at a lot of points, people are thinking, oh, no, this is something I have to deal with. I don't have any other options. Mm -hmm. So I love that you said that the permission to do so. And that's mm -hmm. kind of what we're trying to get at in this episode is you have the permission to set those boundaries and be unwavering in them no matter yeah. where you are. Mm -hmm. All right. I like that word, unwavering. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my last question for you is gonna be for the new professionals that are just coming into HR or just coming into a new position in general, this is their first job. What, I guess, top three tips would you give them about boundaries and why they're important when going into a new role? That's a really good question. And I think it could be a little bit complicated when you're new to the workforce, because I know for me, it's kind of like the saying you've heard, sometimes you don't know what you want until you know what you don't want. So until you've experienced certain things, you may not recognize that it is a value, you know, this is a boundary that's going to impact my personal value. So, you know, early in my career, I didn't know. I was just excited to have a job. I was, you know, thankful. I'm going to do it all. Um, but it's not until you experience things that are uncomfortable for you um, that you realize, okay, this is a, a boundary. Like what I started to experience probably, I'd say within five, five years in, in my you know, work, working career, kind of professional jobs around a feeling of dissonance where you actually feel it like something isn't right here. Like I'm being put in a position that feels uncomfortable um, and I know it's not right. But ha I would just say, have the courage to speak up for yourself when something is not right. One of my favorite questions to ask is, help me understand, so that you can ask questions without coming across as defensive or off-putting. But if you're you know, asked to do work tasks that, that may, you didn't realize were part of your responsibility, one way to 
address that with your leader is, you know, help me to understand, you know, how, why am I being assigned this when I mm-hmm. thought I was supposed to be doing that? So you're asking for clarity before you say, I'm not going to do that, or that's not my boundary. Sometimes you want to understand the thought process behind what someone is asking you to do, if that's what it's about. Um, but once you know, cause now one of the things I coach people on is when you start a new job, and if, if, if you're early in your career and you know these things already, kudos to you. But it took me years to realize how I learn mm. uh, and the type of information I need. So when, that, when I start a new job, um, I go in with, to that leader and say, hey, here's, here's what I need to be successful. I need context. You know, when you're, if you're giving me direction to do something, I kind of need to know the why behind it. Um, you know, I need... Um, I don't do well with ambiguity. So a lot of times I need as much information as I can get. So I think if the more self-aware you are, be, you should feel comfortable going to your leader or even team, teammates um, and just expressing what you need in terms of how you work. If it's boundaries around personal life, and as we talked about, that's becoming more and more blended. But if you know that you've got to be out of there by five o'clock because you've got to pick up kids from daycare or what have you, um, don't feel fear in saying that. You know, you're, you're not a 24-7 employee and, you, and it should be expected that you have other things outside of work to do. That's awesome. I love that you said, help me to understand. I remember in one of my first positions, my manager constantly said, well, just seek to understand. And <laughs> for some reason that felt like the burden was on me to mm-hmm. figure out what you need from me. I mm-hmm. love that you said, help me to understand because it feels like a collaborative effort, which yes. in all sense and places it is. You need me <laughs> and I need you to do, get exactly. this thing going. Oh, that's amazing. Bricklin, look at you. <laughs> okay those are all my questions for you Ricklin. i am now <laughs> gonna go to the chat oh lauren davis she said what happens when you are in hr oh lord um and i think she was regarding the question i asked when do you go to hr she asked right what do you do if you're in hr so in full transparency, Miss Lauren is in HR. So this mm. is perfect. Oh. perfect person to ask this question. <laughs> and, and you know what? And, so, and so, so are you, Katrina. I think this is a great talking point because oftentimes I felt like I didn't have anybody to go to when I was in HR. Um, I can tell you in my last role, I was an HR manager and I reported to a director of HR and I did have some issues with the local leadership that I was working with. And so I I went to the director of HR, who was my manager. Mm-hmm. But in all honesty, I don't feel like I got the support that I needed. Um, and it was part of the reason I'm no longer with the organization, just being fully transparent. So Lauren, I think you raised a great question. And um, I- I'd love to hear your thoughts if you want to unmike, because it, I think it's difficult for HR to, um, in, in we, when we don't have that, that support. Yeah, I mean, I I had a situation where I was the director of HR and I would get contacted by the VP of finance and she would put things on my plate that really weren't my responsibility. What ultimately the issue was is that she was a performance issue Uh and she was trying to shove things on me to get them done because she couldn't. Wow. So, yeah, so it was a little sticky. And ultimately, I went to um, actually president of the organization and we had okay. to sort of set some boundaries. But 
I wanted to, um, I don't know if I'm allowed, like, am I allowed to comment oh on some God. of what you talked about? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to interrupt. Oh, go ahead, Lauren. This is for, go ahead. The floor is yours. So um, Rickland, Rickland knows me well. We've, we worked together for a couple of years um, in the same organization. And um, in the last couple of years, I spent quite a bit of time coaching um, new HR business partners, um, a team of new HR business partners in the organization. And it's funny because I'd venture to say that we used to have this weekly one hour um, call and one of the things that was sort of something we talked about probably every other time we met was the concept of setting boundaries with your clients, mm -hmm. okay? Because a lot of us have responsibilities um, to people outside of just mm -hmm. our organization, right? So how do you set boundaries with clients and why do you need to set boundaries with clients? And one of the things that I would say about setting boundaries is first of all, it's something that a lot of people have to be taught. Mm -hmm. It's not inherent in who they are um, because somehow they feel that setting boundaries can potentially offend people yeah. um, or that they're not um, serving um, their clients in the way that they're meant to be served. But what you learn ultimately about setting boundaries over the years after you have years behind you, and, mm -hmm. and like Ricklin, I have many years of you know, HR behind me, um, is that people come to respect you for setting boundaries mm -hmm. and for um, you know, clear with them about what your boundaries are. Um, so I would, um, I would, I would suggest that um, someone said, "How do you set boundaries if you're new to HR?" Um, and and with respect to clients, I would say, in a lot of respects, you have to teach them how to fish. Right? Mm -hmm. They're going to come to you for higher level guidance, for a strategic mindset, but you want to teach your clients how to fish so that they're not coming to you for every little thing which really isn't the purpose of your role so i don't want to take up too no, much no that that was that was good i just want to add to to what you added because i think that's so important and we we didn't cover that but um even in relationships right when you set boundaries there tends to be more respect but if you're somebody who can be walked over and um you know you don't have boundaries and people don't respect you so it makes total sense that, that you say that and just for clarification for those that are in the room like when, when lauren's talking about clients especially if you're new to hr even internally you know the people you work with are technically your clients so whether you're supporting um leaders, supervisors, um, to a degree, the employees that you interact with, they're your customer. So um, they are to your clients. And, it, and you made me think about, um, you know, when I was working as internal HR, and my door and was like the revolving door, employees would just come knock on the door, hey, do you have a minute? I actually had to really learn how to set boundaries even with employees and that, you know, you want to help everybody, you don't want to turn anybody away. And one thing I did is I kind of created office hours 
like you know you might see in in the school setting i didn't necessarily publish those office hours but i would do my schedule in that way where i would block off afternoons for for meetings so if somebody would come and tap on the door and if i was in the middle of something like i'm doing focus work project work you know i'd look up and i'd say hey you know is it is it urgent or can we can we set up a time for you to come back you know at this particular time but there was a time i didn't do that and it was like every time somebody knocked on my door and i'm working on something and i'm like okay okay i'll help you and then i go back and i started to feel overwhelmed because i wasn't really con in control of my schedule and so i had to learn not to feel guilty or like you mentioned earlier katrina you want to help people um you feel bad for setting those boundaries but they help you to stay you know, make sure you're taking care of yourself and doing the work that you need to do and meeting your deadlines and still helping them of course if it's urgent then that's different a leader i used to work with she would be like if it's not artillery bleeding it's probably not that urgent and if it is that urgent they should probably be calling 911 and not me <laughs> and so even in this new venture that i've taken this pivot in my career as a career coach as an hr consultant one of my mentors he shared with me um, always put your mask on first before putting the mask on somebody else which means just take care of yourself first if you don't feel comfortable if you're feeling overwhelmed if you're not getting if you're not able to function at your full your highest capacity then that means you probably need to recalibrate your boundaries in your work in your life in your relationships all of the above ladies i thank you so much i do want to touch on chelsea williams yeah. question real quick she said how do you set boundaries in a new role in hr what are good questions to ask before and after taking the role it's scary to get a new job and then set demands <clears throat> I do want to say something real quick, and then I will let Ricklin answer this question. But first of all, uh, they hired you, Chelsea. They hired you. So you get to set those boundaries. Um, I'm hoping throughout the interview process and the entire hiring onboarding process, you were authentic in yourself, and you were able to set those expectations through that process. That way, when you come in the door, you're not kicking down the door. You're just coming in the office be like, hey, this is what we talked about before. We had this conversation already, and I'm just reiterating it on this piece of paper on my day one. But what do you think, Ricklin? Yeah, I think the first thing I want to say is, don't necessarily look at boundaries as demands because when the the demands has a connotation of you know that might be a little bit combative right where boundaries are healthy you know when when done done right and in terms of questions to ask in the interview process this is something i know now that i did not know earlier in my career but self-awareness is so important knowing what your values are knowing what's important to you what are deal breakers for you how you like to work um, and really being clear about that before you go in the in the interview so i actually had a conversation with a client who is interviewing for jobs right now um, you know, to write out what are some of the things that are important to her in this next role? What type of leadership traits would she like to see in her next leader? What does work-life balance look like for her? And to make sure in that interview, she's listening for cues that kind of speak to those things that are important to her or asking the questions to get a better understanding. And sometimes I think when we're interviewing, we're hesitant to ask the hard questions because we don't want to eliminate ourselves from consideration. But if 
if you're not willing to ask the hard questions about things that are important to you, your values and your well-being, then yeah, you might perform well enough to get the job. And then as soon as you get the job, you are going to feel like you're having to make demands because you didn't quite vet out the opportunity by asking the hard questions, even if you risked, you know, not getting the job. But wouldn't you rather ask those questions in advance? And, and if, if they can't meet your your expectations around how you like to work and what's important to you, then it probably wasn't the right employer for you. I mean, I personally have taken jobs that I believe I took for the wrong reason. It was salary, it was commute. Um, uh, you know, I was gonna have a nice office as, as um, you know, <laughs> as shallow as that might be, but it played a part in my decision-making and I didn't ask a lot of the good questions around values, cultures and just things that's important that that is important to me I didn't ask about those questions in the interview mm. and just as long as we're still on the topic what what do those questions kind of look like well it depends on your value so let's so for me autonomy is a very high core value on, on my list um, I don't do well with being micromanaged. So asking for it. So in that instance, asking questions around kind of, you know, how, how do you work as a leader? Mm -hmm. um, you know, how often do you have meetings with, with your employees? Um, how, how much am I working with the team versus working independently? Um, how, how flexible is, is the schedule? You know, those are questions that kind of lend themselves to how much autonomy I'm going to have. How are decisions made? Do I have, you know, in this role? And, and oftentimes, depending on the job, you'll kind of know at certain levels, you'll have certain levels of independence. Um, but then in some organizations, it may be a little bit different. So like, do I have to run everything through you before I can make a decision? So those are the types of questions that will help kind of, you can listen for cues around mm -hmm. autonomy. Um, if work-life balance is important to you, that's a question you can, you can certainly ask. I mean, how, how often do um, individuals on the team work past, you know, 40 hours in a week? If I get an email on Saturday, am I expected to respond? Um, you know, questions, questions like that. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So the, at this part of the show, I wanted to open the floor up to people who have had issues setting boundaries in the professional environment. And um, if you could bring those scenarios to the forefront and just kind of ask Rickland to walk you through them, because she's the expert in it. <laughs> anybody have any issues or boundaries they want to talk about? Going once. Going. I'll go. Oh. I'll go. So it's it's not really a question, but it might possibly be one actually. Um, maybe how to proceed in the future. But um, so I worked for my last employer for close to 10 years. When I started out as a contractor, because that's their culture, um, they specialize in contract employees. And then eventually, if you do well, they might hire you on. Um, so I started as a contractor and it was around the time um, after the Great Recession or around that time. So um, jobs were somewhat scarce in my profession. So, um, I was an hourly employee and I am the state of, I am in the state of California. Um, I allowed myself, even though I know employment law, I would work outside of 40 hours 
as an hourly employee, which we all know that's illegal, especially in the state of California. Um, but when I asked my manager, should I, I get paid for overtime? She told me the company doesn't pay overtime. Um, I knew that was wrong. I knew I should have been paid, but at the time, I just felt I should put my head down and keep the job. Mm -hmm. um, so fast forward about two and a half years later, I was told if I wanted to move up in the company or if I wanted to be an employee, that I would take on extra work. Another thing, illegal. Um, doing the job of a supervisor manager when you don't have that role, you are a contractor. But I went ahead with the program. Um, I was working probably 50 to 60 hours um, per week. Um, so at one point, I um, told my manager that I could no longer do that. I did not want her to tell her the specific reason why, because I was pregnant and I was still contracting. And even though, <laughs> I mean, we just know reality. People can terminate you for being pregnant, even though it is illegal. So I kept that a secret. And then um, I actually became an employee, a staff employee. But um, when I set that boundary and told her I was no longer going to work more than 40 hours per week, she told me, well, uh, she did not like my response and told me, well, I'll just let somebody else do it. They'll take over that responsibility. Um, I think it hurt me, quite honestly. Yes, I moved into a staff position and my title was changed, but I was completely stifled um, and was never officially given the title of the role, even though eventually I was doing the work of a lead but I was never officially given the title. And quite honestly, my manager, who then became a VP, I think she always held that against me for setting that boundary. And ultimately, you know, I was laid off during COVID. So that's, that's my boundary setting story. Um, did it turn out to my benefit? Probably not. But do I regret setting that boundary? No, not really. <laughs> Well, first I'll say, I'm glad you don't have regret for setting the boundary mm -hmm. because I think um, I, I posted a post on LinkedIn about this and someone posts something similar. When you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And mm -hmm. I think that is so profound in that. Um, and, and I think with, with the workplace, which could be a little bit challenging is we have a tendency to put so much faith into an employer when i don't know how many companies there are out there granted yes the workforce is a little bit different now because of COVID, but i feel like we put the responsibility of what's best for us on our employer more than we should there are other places to, to land jobs and and i know and i think it's fear a lot of times that keep people from really being true to themselves and what's important to them. And I know it's oftentimes easier said than done, but I really coach my clients and I'm just gonna be transparent. Your job is not your source. It is not. 
where and companies come and go, their doors close, you get laid off. And at the end of the day, you have to figure out how you're going to do what you need to do for you and your family. And I think that is similar is true for boundaries. We get one life to live. And if we are giving so much of ourselves to a company, when this, we don't live in a time where people work 30 years for a company anymore. We just don't. Um, job hopping is not even looked at as negatively as it used to be. And there's so much more focus on well-being today. We're, we're hearing mental health awareness and wellness more than we ever have before. Workplace culture is important. Employees are, or prospective employees are encouraged to try to learn as much as they can about the work culture before they accept a position. So I think times are changing and, and I'm you know, sorry that you had that experience, Joy, because that, you know, but it, it happens and some, we never know. There's always risk in standing up for yourself and standing up for what, what you believe in. But I think the risk is even greater when you don't stand up for yourself and what, what you believe in. Definitely. And Joy, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing that with us. I know that must have been difficult and even going through it, hell, was probably really difficult. And I just thank you so much for bringing it to the group. And you actually answered another person in the group's question by sharing your story. And that's what it's all about. Ooh. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Joy. That's, it's, a, it's unfortunate, but it is the reality of things, right? We're, you know, we're in, in the United States. Most states are at-will states. They're, they, they, don't, they don't owe us any more than the paycheck that we earned last week, to be quite honest. And then we don't owe them any more than perhaps a courtesy notice when we decide to extend, you know, submit our resignation. So I think if you can get with a company where your values are lined, you know, lockstep with the organization, that's great. Um, I would encourage anybody and everybody to pursue opportunities such as that. There are some great companies out here with great culture, um, doing great things for with their employees, and they're out there. You just kind of have to really be targeted in your search to join one of those companies. Definitely. And when you, and Rickland, when you talk about those values, we just want to make sure we're doing our research on these companies because you know a lot of people are putting out values now that don't necessarily align with the what they're actually about. So mm -hmm. I encourage you all to be doing your research and making sure yeah. those values weren't posted about six months ago. Um, right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and that's where LinkedIn is helpful because one one of the things I did. Um, before I joined the last two companies I joined, I actually reached out. I didn't do informational interviews per se. I was I just reached out to people who were working at that company and I was really curious about their experience. So it was just like, hey, I see you've worked at X company for 10 years. Wow, that's a long time. Must be a great company if you stayed that long. Can you tell me about your experience working there? I'm thinking about applying um, for a role that they have, but I'd love to hear what your experience has been. And I've, and I've done that a few times. So certainly don't just rely on what's on the website. That's easy to do. But talk to people who are actually living and experiencing what it's like to work for those organizations. Awesome. Rickland, you are the best. And this is why I have you here. <laughs> oh, thank you. Anyone <laughs> else have a story or a situation that they'd like to walk through with Rickland? And did we get all the questions in the chat? I think we did. Ashley okay. Matthews had a question, but then she got answered by Joy. And Joy shared with us, fear is the reason why I didn't say no. I no longer have that fear. Ooh, claps for Joy. Claps yeah. for Joy. <laughs> wow. 
I will walk you through one last scenario before I say goodnight to you all. Um, in my last position before taking this pivot, um, I had a gentleman who every day would say something about um, my hair wraps. I wear a lot of hair wraps at work. Um, he would um, say something about, what, what would he say? I His name was George. And he would, microaggression, huh? he would say a lot of stuff about, oh, that's a nice hair wrap, which are small things like, that's a nice hair wrap. Oh, that's a different one. Until one day, he asked me when I immigrated to America. Wow. And so you see the small steps that I could, you know, um, so what boundary could I have set earlier in those conversations? Mm -hmm. Well, I think I have to answer ask, answer that question with a question. Were you offended when he said it initially? Because it sounded like just on the surface, if he said nice head wrap, there may not have been any undercurrent there. But were you, it's all about what you felt when he mm -hmm. made that comment. Initially, you have a nice head wrap. How did it make you feel? So I believe the first statement he ever made was, that's unique. And um, I took that as offensive just because of his tone when he said it. That's unique, yeah. as if it doesn't belong here um, in this environment. Um, mm -hmm. Then constantly, every time I wore a different head wrap, it'd be like, that looks, uh, that's different. Or it always had something to do with that's different or that's unique or something to that effect. Or that's a okay. new hairstyle today. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. but, um, <clears throat> but eventually it got to, where I, where I believed it was going to get to. Um, he was mm -hmm. under the assumption that it was religious wear or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. And I thought well, that's good. Thanks for adding that. I think anytime you're dealing with the possibility of feeling offended at work, um, normally the first step is kind of to let the person know that they are being offensive because people may not know, like, you know, I, sometimes I think people make comments and they don't realize that it's offensive in nature. They've, they've not been educated to understand what a microaggression is in the workplace. Mm -hmm. They may think it's funny. Um, and it's not always easy to have that conversation, but if you're able to, you know, find the words to say, hey, you know, I noticed you, you commented about my head wrap a couple of times and you may not realize it or not, but you know, the way, the way you've commented and said that it's unique, I find it a little bit offensive. And, and depending on, you know, what his response to that is, it could just be, um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but I think that that's your point in, in putting him on notice. And then once you've done that, and if the behavior continues, then that's when you might have to find the HR person, provided the HR person's not you. <laughs> Um, so, but normally, and, and what I'm seeing, because a lot of this is even new for a lot of us, that you know, when I first started my career, the term microaggression was not something that people talked about. And there's a lot of terminology today that we're hearing, you know, allyship, that wasn't something that was part of the new hire orientation when I started my, with my company, you know, 15 years ago, where today it probably is at some companies. So sometimes it's just a matter of having a conversation with somebody saying, hey, did you know, or did you realize, or you may not know this, but, you know, that comment that you may, I find it offensive and here's why. Awesome. See, and that small boundary, small boundary, huge boundary <laughs> that you set in the beginning is what sets the tone for the rest of your time there as an employee. I bet mm -hmm. you would have never came to me again and said, hey, nice hair wrap. He would have said, oh, you look nice today. And I would have said, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Joy has started the LinkedIn chain in the chat. So everyone, oh, okay. please add your LinkedIn information in the chat. 
Um, and when you go to the chat, there are three dots next to the word file. If you click save chat, it will save everyone's information onto your desktop. So I didn't know that. That's <laughs> news to me. Thank you for sharing that tidbit. So everybody drop your little LinkedIn's and then we'll get to saving. That's good. While we're waiting, and if you don't mind, I'd love to hear Lauren's take on that too, in terms of setting boundaries when somebody's offensive. Mm -hmm. She deals with this kind of stuff quite a bit too. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get back. I was going to LinkedIn to get my link. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I had to get back to the screen. That's my link. Um, so what was the specific question? Yeah, so if you're, because I don't know if you heard Katrina's example where someone was saying something that she perceived to be offensive about her head, yeah, no, head wrapper. Mm -hmm. So what, what thoughts would you have around kind of setting the boundary or letting someone know that what they're doing is offensive? I mean, because they may not know per se yeah. that, or may not, may not intend for it to be offensive. Some people yeah. just don't know. I think that, um, education is really important and mm -hmm. how we educate people um, sometimes needs to happen on the spot right mm -hmm. it sometimes needs to happen in the workplace and um, this is true whether it's a microaggression this is true um, in a harassment type situations i mean even when we train harassment one of the things that um, we say is um, if you at all feel comfortable, tell somebody that you don't like what they're saying to you or what they're doing to you, because they may just simply not realize. Um, unfortunately, we live in a world where a lot of people don't do a good job of setting boundaries and they're very quick to cross other people's boundaries. Mm -hmm. and, and quite frankly, they're just uneducated. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that absolutely like speak up for yourself but i mean be reasonable and be respectful back mm -hmm. um because for somebody who truly doesn't know and it's sort of a teaching moment um you know the response you want back from them is geez i'm you know i'm i'm sorry i actually didn't realize that and i'm so i'm so happy you brought that to my attention mm -hmm. um i was doing a diversity training and I was talking about this situation. I don't know if this is a good example, but I was talking about um, the George Floyd situation and I referenced it as, um, I guess it kind of goes both ways, but I referenced it as a murder. Mm -hmm. And to me, he was murdered. There are other people who don't believe he was murdered, that he died, but he wasn't murdered. Um, and, and someone said something to me about that. And I said, you know, I don't agree, but thank you for bringing that to my attention. Um, I appreciate you kind of pointing out that you viewed it a different way. Now I have a whole other philosophy on that, which is a whole other <laughs> webinar or whatever, but, <laughs> and he was like a racist, but whatever, that's not the point. Um, um, but there's just things that we all say that we don't realize necessarily how it impacts people. Mm -hmm. So um, mm -hmm. speak up, you know, and, 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 and be clear 
Um, and I, you know, and I, you know, when I worked in-house, I used to, I would encourage my employees, like, you know, tell somebody to stop texting you if they don't, if you don't like it, mm-hmm. you know, it yeah. doesn't have to become a full-blown harassment situation. Tell them, mm-hmm. you know, and then that's if they don't often, stop. That's often one of the first questions that someone will be asked when they report a situation of harassment or, you know, did you tell that person right. that their behavior was offensive? Because if you didn't, then you know, kind of how would, how would they have, have, have known, right? So that is a question that we often ask in the interview process, but you also made another good point, Lauren, in terms of if you're comfortable mm. to set that boundary or to educate that person. So if, if you're not comfortable, hopefully you work in an environment where the leadership is trained to, um, to have those conversations where they can, you can report it to the leader who will then probably engage HR more often, more likely than not. Um, if it's a leader you're not comfortable with, then hopefully you have an HR department that you can go to. But those are kind of the, the order that it should normally go in. You address it first if you're comfortable, right. you know, bring it to your leader's attention if you're comfortable, if not, bring it to HR. And I know, Katrina, one of the things you and I talked about prior to the show was maybe even talking about when do you go to HR? And I don't know if you we have a few minutes to kind of cover that because there's one thing I think that's important to note. Um, oftentimes people would come to me maybe with a concern or with a complaint, but when I would ask them how they would like to see the matter resolved, they didn't have an answer. Um, And that is really helpful for an HR person to know kind of what next steps should be, um, to have an idea of what outcome you're looking for, because sometimes it's like, well, I just came to kind of vent. Well, depend on what you're telling me, you know, can't just stop there. I may have to look into it further depending on what it is. And then some people come because they're hoping to get somebody fired. Mm -hmm. And sometimes depending on, you know, what you're looking at, they might not be fired. And so I try to set and establish um, kind of an understanding of what their their hope is for how they want to see the matter resolved. Um, and anybody, even on a personal note that comes to me because of my HR background and says, well, I'm having this issue at work, what should I do? Well, it kind of depends. What are you hoping the outcome to be? Mm-hmm. That'll kind of determine what steps you take and how how, how, how far are you willing to take this, this situation? And are you going to be okay? If, if they're not terminated, are you going to be okay with that? How are you going to respond to that? Definitely. And I think the word that both of you used was comfortable. And that's what we're trying to get with setting boundaries is comfortable. It is hard. It makes your heart hurt. You feel like you're going against everything that you were ever taught. But this is what this space is about, is to learn how to get comfortable setting those boundaries in any environment, but specifically in the environment you spend a lot of time in, work. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I just want to thank Rickland so much for being my special guest today. Thank you for everyone who contributed today. Make sure that you save the chat with the three dots. Click save chat. I did that. I never knew that was an option. <laughs> I've learned something every day. I, thank you again, everyone, for showing up. And I will see you next week on Absolutely Not. <laughs> Bye. Bye.